0: Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If so, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated shareable playlists and collections made just for you. Aww along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use! It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. Uh, So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. Alright, what's up everybody and welcome to episode number one hundred and sixty of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, October twelfth, two thousand nineteen. It's eleven forty five PM where I'm at. It's almost midnight over here. Uh doing doing a late one. It's not late for Mike. It's only like what? Eight eight forty six. Eight forty six, yeah. So you still got some you still got some time to go out to the bars and <laughs> Mac on some ladies, go to the club and all that, which is what no, probably
1: what I'm going to try to do is finally catch up on some YouTube stuff because I haven't been able to do get any of that done because I've been so busy with, uh, with work and school, like all these projects and videos and
0: tests
1: and just
0: ugh. Yeah, I fucking I tried doing a live stream, my first ever live stream on YouTube the other day and it was an abysmal mm-hmm. failure because I got everything working pretty good, but I wasn't able to get the web browser to work right, and it was just—I don't know. I think no. I think everybody's first stream so, that they ever oh yeah, do. yeah, mine
1: mine was pretty terrible because I didn't have, I I you know I couldn't figure things out. Yeah. In terms of like how to get the camera something correct, so like I I don't feel awkward, and I think that's still going to take a little bit of time. Cause normally when i record videos like i have you know i'm able to like see but there was like a delay or something yeah. and it was just throwing me off or like almost the yeah most,
0: most most first live streams are like 15 minutes of the person going what what how the heck now wait a second no that needs to go over there but what what like that, <laughs> thats that's most people's like first fifteen minutes when it, when they. Well, yeah,
1: mine didn't even get up. Mine was late, and then I, I I was thinking like, oh, it's telling me I don't have a good enough signal, and then you know, yeah,
0: yeah. Which that this that has nothing to do with this podcast, but uh, you brought up YouTube, and it uh, I, I felt I mm-hmm. needed to bring up my frustrating uh, recent YouTube yeah. experience. I actually, yeah. as of tonight, I just I came back from a wedding about an hour and a half ago. Where, you a, know, I, you you had a. Uh,
1: murderous thoughts about you know flossing
0: (laughs) Uh, well yeah actually at the wedding is is kind of what inspired me to so i made a post on my facebook page saying every time i see a little kid do that stupid floss dance i want to punt them off a bridge and um (laughs) it's true i do i do want to do that i i hate i think that is the stupidest dance i've ever seen and w- there's something about we're what- not alone with that. There's something about when little kids do it that make it a it, that, that that that's especially like naggy to me. They're like yeah 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 yeah. Well yeah, because they keep doing it because they know like uh huh. I don't know what it you know. is, but I just want to wah and just watch them <laughs> fly off into the sky. It's into the into the wild blue yonder. So are they are they
1: flossing as they're fly, flying into the into the river?
0: <laughs> no, they they're not flossing anymore. They they've been rinsed out and spat into the drain at that point. If we're going. And also,
1: like of all this, like the name is like flossing, you know, like it. it and, and the connotation is like what, like they're flossing their butt. Yeah, like, it, know, know. it
0: looks like you're flossing your ass. Like if you don't know what we're talking about, just look up the floss dance, and you'll you'll yeah, you'll quickly see. Uh fucking Fortnite, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ugh, God, I never played. I thought
1: that. that well, I thought that would have been over by now. Like it, it seemed like it. It kind of tailed off at a certain point but i guess it's still pretty popular Probably well it's free
0: mostly with kids it's free to play so it's a lot know. of kids play it well yeah but yeah uh, there's no you know paywall to although i'm
1: surprised the parents you know considering you know how violent that game can be but you know whatever
0: it looks so cartoony though i mean are the pa- yeah. are parents really gonna but have
1: is is that is that better or is that worse
0: i think it's be- uh-huh. i think it's better honestly mm. i mean you look at a game like Splatoon, which is essentially a, of a first-person shooter, but you're using yeah. paint and your squids and shit, and it's like, nah, ain't no kid gonna get shot, uh, traumatized from that. No, now, no. Now playing but Doom I mean, when you're my age, yeah. which is what I did. I played, even though it was pixelated and the graphics weren't that great. You're shooting like demons yeah. and all this other shit, and I was like, yeah, that was kind of. I played of,
1: Halo, so it wasn't too violent. No, it was but, just you know, aliens. There was, you know, alien, alien blood. But it did teach you to, you know, be cruel. <laughs> you know, like. Hey, there's a sleeping grunt. Let me hit it hit the B button and just, you know, fuck it up. Yeah. With with the butt of my gun cuz I'm some sick fuck who I guess likes to just Yeah, there's fuck a around game
0: uh called Monster Hunter on the uh Nintendo uh 3DS and yeah. uh it's made by Capcom. Mm-hmm. I swear to god we're going to get to the podcast soon. Just hold hold on a second, guys. <laughs> I'm making a bigger point with this. In the game, you have to kill these animals that's how that's how i interpreted it i don't know if any fans of that game out there can better explain it but i interpret it as as they want me to kill these animals that are just grazing in a field and yeah they look kind of like monsters but they're not like hurting me and they're just chilling mm-hmm. and they wanted me to go up and like yeah. cut them down with my sword and i was like i'm not fucking doing that no i yeah. i couldn't play the game because they were wanting me to yeah. to to kill well think about it It's probably very. It's similar to Pokemon,
1: but the difference is instead of you catching them and then forcing them to kill each other
0: (laughs) or fight, um, you're literally just taking a sword and doing it right there in real time. Exactly. Just killing them. I don't. I I just didn't like that. Like,
1: like, isn't it crazy? Like when you think about Pokemon and you apply like real life to it, you're like, this is this is kind of fucked up. (laughs) Like, because you're like, this is. This is dogfighting. It's all like, about how they go about it. I, is, <laughs> it
0: is dogfighting, but it's it's how they go about it though. They go about it in such a flowery, cartoony way that yeah. it's like fine, you know. But but I, I I what I was trying to play was the
1: devil's advocate because I think there can be an argument that can be made, and I think there is something to it that you know by by associating these lighthearted things with stuff like animal you know abuse or you know shooting people you know it, it does kind of create this uh, you know th- this false sense of reality for for kids you know that oh you know oh if somebody gets shot oh you know it, it's just i don't know and and i could see i could see the the other side of the coin i i think it's closer to in between i don't think it's like a a A case of, oh, it's too, you know, they can't play games that are lighthearted but still violent. I I, I think it's one of those things where in-between is probably the best best way
0: to go i think if i think if a kid is wired with a fucked up brain there's going to be some kind of trigger in their life at some point yeah. that's going to make them well yeah exactly i mean extreme. that's kind of
1: yeah that's kind of how i feel whether about it's video
0: games whether it's a, a girlfriend yes. cheating on him or uh-huh. or whatever it is because i grew up playing a bunch of violent first person shooters like GoldenEye, Double O Seven, 007 and doom and all that well, it, there was, and I never, you know, mm-hmm. at any point had a thought of, you know, oh, this kid's making fun of me. I want to go and fucking yeah. take them a gun to school, you know. Yeah,
1: exactly. There was a—I uh, don't know if I talked about this before on the podcast, but there was—I might have, but I don't remember. But I had a student, a classmate at a W at a class at W C Vancouver, who actually knew the the shooter at the. Uh, the gaming convention in in Flo- and it was in I think it was in Florida, right? In Jackson was it in Jacksonville? He talking about the
0: shooter at the uh, landing.
1: Yeah, yeah, the guy who was who shot up uh, the gaming uh, the tournament. Yeah, then?
0: yeah, that was yeah, yeah, I was here. That was in my city. Yeah.
1: So she actually Duh. knew him personally, um, and she was friends with him and it was one of those things where she was friends cuz it just seemed like a guy who was pretty lonely, didn't have any friends and stuff like that. And she was talking about how, you know, he had a rough family life and he she saw signs that, you know, things weren't right with him, you know, where he'd say things, you know, like I, I want to, you know, kill my parents, you know, stuff like that. And um she was talking about like how like traumatic that was for her you know to to see the news and to be like oh my i, I know that guy yeah. <laughs> you know
0: i just have a bunch of people around me who are always talking about killing themselves which is i don't know what that says about me and my choice of people that i <laughs> yeah. like to keep around what me <laughs> i don't know but yeah just i have several friends and people i know who've mm-hmm. talked either tried to commit suicide or talked about it or whatever and I have just gotten so goddamn desensitized to hearing about that that I anytime someone's just like oh yeah, yeah, yeah anytime someone says it to me I'm just like oh okay I hope you don't do it you know like what you know what else is there t- cuz like I just I don't know how to handle it anymore I've spent so many, many times trying to like talk people off the ledge as it were but you're what you're talking to a chemical imbalance um more, more, o- more often than not you know I guess
1: I guess it was I cuz did it I've done it actually through Facebook So I I think maybe like the impersonal aspect of it where it's not face to face, where maybe you can get through to them in a way that you might not be able to if like you're in the same room with them. Um, But I, I just basically just gave them advice of like, just try to get your mind off of it. Like do whatever, you like just really it's some good advice if you're in that kind of state of mind. The longer you're in that state of mind, the harder it is for you to get out of it. So, uh, just try to do things to, um, make you feel better, whether it's, you know, whether it's just playing a game that you really like or watching a film that you enjoy, or just do something that can kind of distract your mind and kind of get it from, get it to stop spinning. Yeah. That's, that's on it. That's really what happen, what is going on when, when people start to have those kind of thoughts and those kinds of feelings.
0: Yeah. I mean... It doesn't help either that, like... no, I don't think I've known anybody that has ever taken advice that I offer them. And it's yeah. like I spend all this time trying to, like, give them this really mm. sincere, heartfelt advice that's, like, well thought out. And then they just go ahead and do whatever they were going to do anyway. And yeah. it's like, why did I just waste my time, like, yeah. flapping my gums to you for that's two gonna hours? That's going to be pretty discouraging. Yeah, so... But
1: there, there will probably be that one time, though, hopefully, where, where you can get through to somebody.
0: yeah. Oh uh, well, I hope through the that'll make it all worth it. I I just finally realized that like doing stuff like the podcast is some uh, like our podcast probably helps some people out there uh take their mind off of their troubles and that's honestly the best way I yeah. think we can help people. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, that's that's something that's very humbling, you know, that we can just you know help people with that just with talking about whatever and unsolved mysteries. And speaking of Unsolved Mysteries, we actually have two cases from the show this time around. Um, Instead of, like, one case from some other thing and uh, one case from the show, we actually have two from the show. Uh, One is actually a vintage case that somehow fell through the cracks. And the other is the case of Gordon Weaver this uh, John C. McGinley-looking motherfucker over here. Looking like he's gonna show up on the set of Scrubs. So, Gordon Weaver was a resident of White Bear Lake, Minnesota, and married to Gene Weaver. After 17 years of marriage, she planned to divorce him. Uh, this is the wikia, so it doesn't really give in, doesn't fill in all the details. She, pl- she stayed with him like a lot of Wives do, despite the fact that the relationship is deteriorating and was not built to last, and is showing cracks within the first few years. They she's decided she was going to stay with him despite all these problems for the for the kids. You know that that's something that as I I don't think annoying is the right word, but as puzzling as it is to me you know how somebody i get it for the kids but when do you get to the point where for the kids is just kind of it's just not enough like do you think the kids couldn't be able to handle it maybe the kids would be better off if they were with you full time instead of you know and 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 their dad could see them
0: at uh, a, a designated time, I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it to you like this: an example from my life. My, yeah. my mom is is uh, she she's not like saying what their relationship is. She just says he's a friend. But my mom's been living with this friend, or the friend is living with her. I should say for uh-huh. about a year now, and she is like so much happier. And I feel like they're like boyfriend and girlfriend, or or together in some uh-huh. way. But, like, because they do everything together. And this guy is so much more on her wavelength than, I hate to say it, than my dad ever was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if my mom had divorced my dad a long time ago, when they clearly weren't very compatible anymore, and gotten with someone she was compatible with, she could have had that much longer of her life with someone she was more compatible with than someone like my dad, who was just... I mean, I hate to say it, but he was just bringing her down in a lot of ways. And then my dad could have got with, you know, God, if my dad got with anyone besides my mom, he would have just went downhill even faster because he had zero willpower to like better Uh him, better himself. But I mean, yeah. So basically, my point is, is that I, I think that as soon as you see that it's not working out and, you know, divorce is on your mind, I say, go for it. You only live fucking once. You only go around one time. Why are you going to spend this one life you have with this chain to this other person who is making you miserable? Or, or, yeah, or I don't get it. Or they might not be making you outright, blatantly miserable, but you're just not living to your full potential. Like you could be if you were not with this person. Yeah, that to you're me not is not getting along with one another. Uh, like maybe they're not it, beating you, maybe they're not berating you, but maybe they're just not, you know, your speed or your your wavelength. You know, the and sexual attraction has diminished. Well, I, w- I mean that's I that's a proven thing. I wasn't going to say I mean, that. The, but,
1: I mean that too. Well, that's yeah, a part of yeah, it. Yeah, that
0: too. I mean, that's I mean that's, that's kind a, of a part
1: a, of it that should be, you know, discussed. more Kind of a shallow reason despite, to leave you know, someone
0: that you've been married it, it to is, for a long time. It is.
1: But but I mean, Jeez, I
0: didn't know how shallow you were, Mike. Finding out no, let, new let, things let about you all
1: the time. Let me clarify that. So what I meant is there are some relationships that start and they end up becoming marriages uh, not necessarily based around the fact that they are compatible or the fact that they are individuals who have a lot of things in common. It's due to sexual attraction. So when that fades then there's a lot of things that aren't really working in the relationship. And if you somehow, early in the relationship, uh, ended up having children, then that's still going to be a problem. You still don't have a lot in common. And then the initial endorphins and all this rush that you had for a certain amount of time with this significant other is no longer there. Then you're just you're stuck. And that's why I, I I honestly think of relationships, they they're they're called relationships for a reason. They're not sex ships.
0: That sounded like that that sounded like uh like a nineteen seventies sex counselor who's trying to be like witty. They're called <laughs> <is fun>. relationships. They're <laughs> not called sex ships, people. Come on, let's get with the program here. I'm just thankful that after three years, me and Mike are completely physically still very much attracted to each other. So that's why the podcast works on the the level that it does.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, but really what spurred her to look for a divorce is actually a tragedy in her family, sadly. Um, her uh, third sister got a, a brain tumor and uh, it was fatal and... She died, and then after her funeral, she realized life is short, and I don't want
0: to be with this man anymore. Good. That's what you should do, if that's, you know, that's where you're at. So her
1: family was worried about, so uh, she planned to divorce him. Her family was worried about how he would react, because he seemed to be a very uh, quiet and reserved to-himself kind of guy. Her family was painting him as somebody who seemed honestly pretty pathetic. You know? Like, uh, he just was one of those guys who would just wilt if there was any sort of pressure or something like that. Um, they also painted him as somebody who they always felt was there was something wrong with him uh, from the moment that they first met him. So... They were not worried they. They were worried. They were really worried about how he would react because of this, because of just how low key is in the right word, but just how unpredictable they felt he could be, because he just they felt like he was so pathetic and so uh, tied to her that if that line was severed, that he could snap, and they were right. Sadly. So on October sixteenth, nineteen ninety-nine, she planned to join her sister Kathy and brother-in-law to visit another sister at her cabin. When she didn't show up, Kathy called the house but received no response. She and her husband drove to the Weaver home and found it on fire. Minutes later, firefighters discovered Jean's burned body inside the house, laying lying face down in several inches of water. The fire apparently was so hot that it the water pipes in the basement where the where the firefighters found her body so the water actually and and plus the heat actually enabled her body to be preserved so they were able to do a autopsy and they were able to uh, successfully identify her the family dog was also found dead in an upstairs closet uh... <laughs> I don't remember the the segment saying no, that. No, I don't. E- I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck? Can you can you imagine?
0: And Robert Stack. The dog was... also was found dead. If this wasn't like awful enough,
1: I just imagine, found Jean's burned body inside the house, lying face down in several inches of water. The family dog was also found dead in an upstairs closet.
0: Oh, and by the way, a bunch of bunny rabbits were (laughs) stabbed to death on the third floor. Like. So,
1: Jean's 16-year-old son was not home, thankfully. An autopsy revealed that she had died of smoke inhalation. However, she had also suffered a head injury. It was determined that someone had deliberately set the fire in the basement laundry room. Gordon became the prime suspect. Gordon claimed that he was running errands at the time. Like most people do in this situation, oh, I wasn't, you know, I was busy. I was helping the kids with the soccer practice, and I was doing this, and I wasn't beating my wife and then burning the house. I I was I, that I, I I didn't do that at all. So, <laughs> however, police soon began gathering evidence that he killed Jean for their insurance money, uh, because it was a insurance policy that totaled uh, three hundred seventy eight thousand dollars. Along with the 401k that was worth $34,000. Uh huh. And so, then? well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> threw me off there with awkward, awkward pause. <laughs> because I had to skip to that point because I was trying to connect the, the things together. For some reason, the person who wrote this didn't connect those two together, he put it in another paragraph.
0: Hustle.
1: Yes, so they also discovered that he had financial problems. His business was failing while she was thriving at her job as a HR person, so their relationship was also falling apart. He agreed to give his clothes over to the police for forensic testings. The tests showed that traces of turpentine and a petroleum product were on his shoes, which were also found on Jean's body. Uh, yeah, that's that's uh definitely something that's going to tie you to the scene of the crime they also discovered that Gordon was the sole beneficiary of the life insurance policies Uh, they were due to lapse just two days after her murder Gordon was later arrested and charged with first degree murder, but he was let out on bail thanks to his parents he disappeared days before his pre-trial hearing, now I want to mention something in this reenactment that I thought was honestly kind of kind of funny. But it wasn't one of those things where the act itself was funny. It was uh, the acting. And just how random and out of place uh, things were. So, one of her sisters gives a theory of how she died. And she's like, I believe that Gene... And, you know, and Gordon got an argument and Gordon got violent with her and threw her down and knocked her out. And then he lit her on fire. Well, for some reason, I don't know who it was, whether it was in the script or whether it was an ad lib by the actress. The actress who's playing Jean in this scenario decides that she's going to, Just out of nowhere, before she even her head even hits the the side of the wall, she's just gonna go, "Ouch!" (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so, (laughs) it's so out of place. It doesn't fit with the tone that the scene is trying to set. It's all sinister and dark, and then she's like, "Ouch! (laughs) I stubbed my toe." That rem- I burned my hand reminds, on the it, on the a hot, hot pan.
0: That almost sounds like some kind of like uh ADR that they put in after, you know, or something like Yeah. That reminds me of uh I was watching the um that segment on Unsolved Mysteries where they were talking about the gold rush or whatever, and there was like the crooked um sheriff of the town yeah. who had the uh road agent gang. That was mm-hmm. like uh you know killing all the uh gold miners when they were yeah. when they were trying to take their gold to railheads and all that they'd intercept them and take their gold well eventually the townspeople formed a uh their own you know vigilante group and they oh yeah they, they got they tracked down all the road agents and they finally get uh the main guy and who you know was doubling as the mayor for the town i don't know if we talked about this one yet if not we should we did oh we did okay and and so i probably already mentioned it but uh one of those (laughs) little pieces of additional audio that's in there that you don't you got to listen for it but it's just it's always always like stands out to me it's always funny when they finally smack the horse's ass and the horse gallops away you know and the dude like ends up hanging on the gallow Mm mm-hmm He's they do it like a, uh, like an exterior or a far away shot of the gallow with him hanging there. And some lady in the back just goes, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like I hear it every time. Like everyone kind of gasps, so like, oh. and then some gr- chick just goes, Oh, <laughs> like, fucking every time. Oh, man. So. He
1: disappeared days before uh, his uh, pretrial hearing. Two days later, on March 9th of 2000, a 1996 Toyota RAV4 that Gordon borrowed from his mother was found abandoned in, in a Summit, Illinois suburb of Chicago. There was blood in it and credit cards strewn about. It appeared at first that he may have been carjacked and murdered. However, police believe that he faked his own death. Apparently, it actually, there actually was real blood in the car, but they couldn't really tie it to him. Which makes me think, like, who, who, who whose blood is that?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, really? So, soon afterwards, the FBI received a tip from a friend of his confirming that he was still alive. Uh, he is now on the FBI's most wanted list and considered armed and dangerous. What happened was... He called one of his colleagues at his job, which is like a golf and field thing, you know, business or something.
0: Yeah, something random shit.
1: And he called her. The way they shoot this scene from a director's standpoint really gives it this ominous vibe. And it doesn't really seem like it's that this whole exchange was really that ominous because it's shot at overhead looking down at the at the woman as she's answering the phone, and she's got this look on her face like she's, like, hearing some crazy, like, scary shit. And really, all it probably is is him just talking and just saying, okay, you know, I'm... I'm on vacation or something. <laughs> this is probably something extremely innocuous, but the way that the scene is shot, it makes it look like it's... She's, like, hearing some guy... Tell her that he's going to kill her or something. It's like a stalker phone call. Um, The case was also featured in America's Most Wanted. He was actually captured. In May of 2004, after four years on the run, Gordon was arrested in a remote area near Florence, Oregon, under the name of David Carson. A woman saw a mugshot of him on the America's Most Wanted website and called the police. In 2005, he admitted to killing Gene but claimed that it was an accident and she was already dead when he set the fire. It was an accident. So. Really? <laughs> you can't even just be honest about it. Yeah, I got, I, I got pissed off. I, threw, I went into a rage and I killed her. No, it was an accident. Oops. I mean, that's, why did you set the fire, then, if it's an accident? See, that's the thing. Like, if it's an accident, and you can have a plausible explanation for it, that you can tell the police, and the... the crime scene actually matches what you're talking about, why would you burn the crime scene? Why would you burn... Why would you
0: try to cover it up? Yeah, that's not really something an innocent man would do who you know, honest to goodness. Why did you kill the dog? (laughs) Or
1: or was the dog just hanging out in the closet and then, like, died of smoke inhalation? Why the hell was a dog locked in a closet in the first place? So, the medical examiner, however, testified that she died of smoke inhalation, which contradicts what he was saying. He was found guilty of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 25 years in prison. In October 2006, Gordon's parents were arrested and charged with helping him to elude the authorities. Mm -hmm. In 2007, he appealed and was granted a new trial because of deficiencies in his first trial. In February 2010, he was once again convicted of her murder. This time, however, he was sentenced to just 18 and three-quarters of years in prison. Like, what kind of sentencing is that? Three-quarters of a year? Three-fourths of a year? Like, really? Very specific. He was released on parole in November 2016. Wait. He will remain on parole until 2023.
0: Okay, so he was sentenced in 2010, and he served all of six fucking years? Yep. How does that work? I don't... How do you... How can you kill... Uh, How can you get... How can you get convicted of... Doing something like that and only serve six fucking years. I know.
1: I've, I remember when I saw that update on the on the segment. I was like, "What?"
0: I think I remember hearing that there's some kind of point system in prison or something. And and he's out. Someone, I think um, one of our listeners. Well, I know for a fact one of our listeners works at a correctional facility. Maybe she can mm-hmm. shed some light on this. But um, I think there's something like a point system, and if you do like chores and you know there's certain things you can do to earn points and if you earn you know so many points it takes time off your sentence and so i get that so i think like like, really good like really good prisoners model prisoners can like just you know work the system as it were so so well to where they reduce their time or their you know guaranteed parole or something like that but it's murder i know i know it's not even like manslaughter it's like you know either this isn't like petty theft or a drug offense or even a a drunk driving thing where it's like yeah. it's 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 vehicular uh homicide but it's it's not first degree murder because it's not you know you, it w- yeah. wasn't premeditated or anything we're
1: talking about premeditated first degree murder
0: yeah, I don't. I I wish I wish we like knew someone that we could get on the podcast to explain all this stuff. That would be really interesting because like I I would really like to know how that works. Like how can in the family? I mean, you know, like what the fuck? You know? Oh, he's out. You'd feel you'd feel like justice wasn't really served. Yeah, like sense. she died in vain or something. You know, like oh well, you can just take someone's life in this country if you want. That's how it works. You will only do a few years as long as
1: you're a good boy in prison or a good girl. And get out. It
0: gives me hope though with me, you know, punting all these kids off bridges for flossing <laughs> that maybe I can get out, you know. No, nah, you you kill a kid on purpose, your ass is going to the electric chair.
1: More than likely.
0: So yeah. I mean they said on the segment that they, you know, they're like, Yeah, this guy isn't dead. He's 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 still alive out there, and yeah. they knew it for a fact, and they were right. I think I always think it's funny when people try to fake their own deaths. I saw one on uh, I saw one Unsolved Mysteries recently where yeah. the guy was pretty successful in uh, faking his own death, and I think they still haven't found him. He like frauded a bunch of people out of money. We should talk about this case sometime. Oh, okay, and uh, he might want to save it. Well, he just like took off in this boat and. They, oh yeah! They found the boat abandoned, yeah. and, and they couldn't find him, and they didn't find his yeah. body. And it sounds familiar. I don't know if we talked about that one. Or I don't not. think it was we like did. Like a heavyset yeah, guy, a, right? Yeah,
1: that guy. Sorry. And I, he, he was, had like some really popular, like, uh, was it like a bank or something? Yeah, something, something some like business. that. Yeah.
0: He he'd, he'd get, get all these people to invest with him, and he was basically just pocketing all their money. Yeah, he was ha- living the lavish lifestyle. Yeah
1: um all right A rather jovial man
0: well that sucks so, this guy is uh yeah you know <laughs> now now granted parole is is no walk in the park uh parole kind of sucks um but you can still essentially do whatever you w- yeah. want to do uh you can't do drugs or alcohol while you're on parole typically yeah uh you have to I think check in i think Yeah. Once a month, which is probably might have
1: the ankle bracelet, might be under house arrest for a little bit. Um with 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 these type of individuals, I mean, I think that clearly already have some kind of sociopathic tendencies, so you're just letting them have an opportunity to game the system. That's really what this this is offering them. I understand things should be fair. I get it. But unless it's confirmed or, like, it's it's proven in some way, shape, or form that, like, you didn't actually murder somebody, and you're just, you've been in jail against your will for this whole time. If, like, it's, it's cut and dry, I'm sorry. Life in prison. I, I, <laughs> is, is there, it, am I wrong here? Is there really anything wrong with what I'm saying? There should be no. I you get out early because of good behavior,
0: if you killed somebody. I mean, uh,
1: if it's first degree. Yeah, murder. if
0: it's first degree, yes. If it's if it, if it's like that's a, what I'm talking it's about. Like a, first you know, murder. as they say, uh, well, I don't know, man. Cra- even chromopath, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, first degree is uh, yeah for sure. No, you sh- you shouldn't be able to get out. All the other ones should. You know, there should be con- like caveats where you know maybe you can get out you know whatever but a large portion of your life should be taken you know yeah because that's what jail takes from you they take time and time is 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 the most valuable thing and you deserve
1: that punishment
0: oh yeah for sure all right let's move on to our next case a case of ralph sigler
1: this is a real gem and it's one I think we both circled to cover at some point, And we just never got around to doing it until now. Just was surprising. Like, we thought, like, we had covered all of the gems at this point. We're just kind of sifting through the bottom of the barrel. You know, kind of min- sifting for gold. And we're getting a lot of pyrite. And huh. Maybe some iron. Maybe, like, a little fleck of gold here, here and there. But so, uh, Unsolved Mysteries... Turns out there was a gold nugget. Unsolved Mysteries right has...
0: Um, right here. What? They, they had, like, what, 536 segments? Mm-hmm. How many seconds a lot. did Unsolved Mysteries do... Let me see here. Cool. Just can't give me quick info on this. It's, like, 536 segments. I'm doing the math right now. If we had done three segments every episode, we would have run out of segments by episode 178. Yep. Now, the fact that we switched to only doing two segments divided by two... Let's say we did two this whole time. We'd get to episode 268. So we did three and sometimes four in the beginning. So I'd say we probably have maybe another 50 cases <laughs> and those are all going to be like lost loves and, uh, you know, fucking miracles or as Mike, Mike likes to call know. miracles. We still have, we still have
1: some, I, I, I think some cases from these later seasons. Um, and
0: then after that, I got, I got, a, I got some. Then after that, this becomes a lifestyle and fitness podcast. <laughs> where...
1: No, we'll just move on to something like sightings or some other thing
0: me and Mike will, will share our juicing recipes and why why we are doing a health and fitness podcast when neither one of us are anywhere near in good shape <laughs> and we'll just question why it, why we're even doing it in the first place get some sponsorships um yeah anyway ralph Ziegler. um At 11 p.m. on the evening of April 13th, 1976, 47-year-old Ralph Sigler, a U.S. Army intelligence officer, was found dead in his motel room near Fort Meade, Maryland. The Army ruled his death a suicide. They claimed that he had wrapped electrical wire around his arms and electrocuted himself. It's actually more complicated than that. Like, it's pretty crazy
1: how they are trying to describe how this man killed himself.
0: Yeah, I'll get into the ridiculousness of of that suicide attempt in a second but i I don't
1: think i don't think they actually oh they do actually mention it good
0: two weeks later he was laid to rest his daughter noticed that his nose was broken some teeth were missing and that there were several strange bruises and other markings on his body that seem inconsistent with suicide now in the reenactment for this when the daughter's in the funeral home she is like checking this this okay like how how do you have like the intestinal fortitude to go up to your dad's corpse yeah. and start like mucking about on his dead body oh that doesn't look right and she opened his mouth she opened his dead m- i yeah. i thought they sewed your lips shut when you died when you were when you're uh at the viewing i thought they sewed your mouth shut or else your fucking jaw would just hang open depends i guess i guess it does because she was able to open his fucking mouth and i mean jesus christ i could uh, uh, yeah it's just morbid dude i mean like that's after the body's been prepared and all that i can't imagine what kind of funky ass shit you would see in there and i'm
1: like so either the uh, mortician did a particularly bad job on her father or there were other marks and other signs of damage to his body that did not cooperate with the uh military or the police police's uh description of
0: suicide i was just like how far is she gonna go with this she's like hey mom the inside of his colon doesn't feel right either like like what the fu- like jesus christ man like his prostate isn't as big as it was when he was alive oh my god oh shit it's fucking you know okay that's enough josh you've gone far enough yeah um so uh from 1966 to his death ralph was a double agent working for the united states i didn't even really know those truly existed until
1: you just thought it was just uh, just some made-up
0: james bond bullshit
1: yeah but no it was it was it was a real thing uh you have the there's some decent acting in, in the reenactments here I think the guy who played uh, Ralph Did a did a good job Reminded me a lot of Stanley Tucci The actor I don't know if you're familiar with, with his work Or anything like that But I know it gave me some Stanley Tucci vibes
0: I know Lil Wayne likes to yell Tucci in the background of all his <laughs> Shitty ass rap songs oh I, I don't know what the deal is with that but That's the only reference I have Um so anyway, in December 1966, he arrived, Ralph Ziegler arrived in Mexico City after being recruited by Army Intelligence. And
1: apparently he was heavily, you know, recruited. Like, there were, like, multiple... There were a lot of other potential candidates, but he was the best one. He just
0: had that... He he just had the most Russian face, apparently, that, that could double as a Russian, uh, you know, spy. I don't
1: think you necessarily have to look Russian. I think the whole thing was... You have to be willing to be calm under pressure. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they felt that he was very capable of doing that. So And he was. So I mean, for ten years, he was he was one of their best agents.
0: He's essentially the opposite of me, is what you're saying. Calm yeah. under pressure. Okay. Yeah. Um
1: Me too. I don't think I'd be able
0: to do that really. One of the Western Hemisphere headquarters for Soviet espionage was their Mexican embassy.
1: Not something you would think of, right? You wouldn't think of like Mexican embassy and KGB. You wouldn't think of those yeah, two. Yeah, I, I like. think like Cuba or
0: something, <laughs> since you know, yeah. like they they had a history or you know with the communism thing, but not Mexico. This is, you know,
1: the Mexican embassy and like, uh, hey, how are you doing? Uh, uh, oh, and the KGB is is upstairs. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Buenos dias, senor. Oh, you're looking for the KGB embassy. That's, uh... Yeah, anyway. I can't make any Mexican jokes without it, like, probably coming off as, like, (laughs) insensitive or racist, so I'm just not gonna say anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: well, whatever.
1: Probably for the best.
0: One afternoon, he met with KGB officials and told them that he was prepared to deliver stolen documents that detailed U.S. missile development. The Soviets took the bait, and his double-agent operations began... And it looks
1: like they shot this in loca- on location. Like they actually shot it in Mexico somewhere or cuz it, it looked like it was shot in another country. Yeah, who who the, knows? It's,
0: they're pretty crafty those uh the prop masters and all that and unsolved mysteries were really good I don't know. set designers and all. Throughout the next decade, Ralph contacted his Soviet employers through clandestine methods, giving them misleading information that he received from his superior, Louis Martel. The documents that Ralph gave the Soviets were made so that the Soviets would copy and create missiles that did not actually work. And one of one of the uh, missile plans is detailed by, I think,
1: a military uh, advisor. Was this? Or I think guy. it was this
0: Louis Martel guy was describing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, uh, he was so, basically talking about how, like, they would, the United States would deliberately make some kind of a missile system that was, like, too top heavy or something, and it would just well, uh, yeah. It would just fall actually, over. What happened,
1: yeah, what actually happened is the U.S. actually spent millions of dollars trying to make this missile uh, launch system that was supposed to launch like ten missiles at once, but it didn't work because it was too top heavy and it would just fall over. So, because they had like these this these failed plans, and they knew how much money the U.S. military had spent on this worthless uh military weapon they decided to use that as uh misleading uh information to get the soviets to fall for it and to waste money on building that's kind of it's kind of
0: ingenious if you think about it It like that's like like that's like recycling to the extreme you know yeah
1: but at the same time it's like how did this last for 10 years
0: i know right why do we keep <laughs> building pieces of shit that this motherfucker keeps giving us and who keeps building it why do we agreeing on this are you drinking too much vodka boris what are you thinking over there now it's okay for me to make stereotypical jokes about russians because uh i guess they're white and i'm white i don't know why it's okay but i, I just feel it's okay so uh yeah so there you go but but i mean it is. It's a,
1: it, it is one of those things. That like, were they really drinking too much vodka or something? Were they? Were they just sloshed? And you know, oh, it's. It's a U.S. It's. It's from the U.S. It must be legit. They must. Think, they must think we make some really shitty stuff. And they're like, no, we, we'll make it better. And then that never happens. It sounds like a plot for a comedy, doesn't it? It sounds like, it sounds like a subplot in that movie, "Spies Like Us," with Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd. Where like their whole thing is just to give misleading documents to Russians and dumb Russians will just build shit that doesn't work.
0: Mike, if you had to wager your life on whether you think I would have seen that movie or not, what would you go with? Um, I don't make bets like that,
1: but I, I will say that I would probably be fairly confident
0: that you haven't seen that film. Congratulations, Mike. You get to live another day. <laughs> Um, so the plan succeeded, and the Soviets the Soviets spent years developing failed missiles. Yeah, again, how are they not putting that together? This guy, Ziegler, keeps giving us these shitty ass plans from the U.S. that are not. Maybe they're like, have you ever like? Okay, so you don't have a siblings, to my knowledge. No, my brother would always build these like elaborate Lego things. He loved Legos growing up. I would try my attempt at building what he built, and it would just be an abortion. It would look fucking just awful. Nothing near what he built. But uh, it's like I kept thinking, like, well, maybe I can do it. You know, maybe I can add my own flair to it and make it, you know, look cool. But I just never could. I don't know. Maybe Uh it was a little brother syndrome that the Russians had. Like, (laughs) I don't know.
1: But I mean I it's just just consider the stakes. I mean, how much money is being spent, how much time, how much manpower. Like you would think like after the second or third time it didn't work, it would be like this is bullshit.
0: <laughs> and then at some point the, the the Soviets had enough time to train Lance Bass from goddamn Backstreet Boys to go to the, to go to the moon essentially. <laughs> Do you remember that? No. Yeah, fucking Lance Bass from the Backstreet Boys. I'm not making this up. He went and lived in Russia for I want to say like a year training with the cosmonauts over there. Wow. And he wanted to go to space. I he at least wanted to go into space. I don't know if he was trying yeah. to go to the moon, but he at least wanted to go to space. He spent all this money in training doing this. I got to look this up now. And it, it ended up not working out, and and then it ended up uh, he ended up not doing it. Uh, space flight plans, yeah, yeah. In February, sorry, this is getting way off topic, but this is just too interesting for me to not mention. Uh, blah, blah 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 blah. So, uh, Lance Banks, a space advocate, in to- February two thousand two, contacted. Lance Bass proposed his involvement in her youngest person in space project. Banks brought her longtime associate, David Criff of Destiny Productions, on board. And through a series of events in August 2002, Bass entered cosmonaut training in Star City, Russia. Bass was considered as the U.S. host of a space competition show to be entitled The Big Mission, which had been, <laughs> su- which had been successful in Denmark. Uh, in which several contestants would go through rigorous training in order to win a seat on Russian Su- Soyuz space capsule. However, the game show concept was reconsidered as the producers of the show decided it would be a much better idea to shoot a documentary of a celebrity actually training and going into space and airing it on a major network. Lena Banks came up with the idea of the youngest person in space many years before uh, Dennis Tito had his historical flight. Through a series of events in early 2002, the chance of using Bass was presented when a colleague mentioned her space project to a friend and her friend's daughter shouted out, Lance Bass wants to go into space. The girl, who was an NSYNC fan, oh, I'm sorry, he's an NSYNC, not Backstreet Boys, uh, learned of Bass's lifelong dream of space travel when she read it online via MTV form. Lena Banks spoke to, spoke to Lance Bass's manager, who then went to him with the proposal. At first, he thought she was joking. Uh, I assured him it was for real. He accepted, and we moved forward with the project. In order to be admitted into training, Bass had to go through strenuous physicals that saved, that saved his life. It was discovered he had cardiac arrhythmia, and he agreed to undergo heart surgery to correct it. Holy shit. Prior to this, in 1999, he collapsed after a concert because of his condition. After several months of training, Bass received cosmonaut certification and went to Houston's Johnson Space Center to take part in astronaut training. He was scheduled to fly into space on the Suya's TMA-1 mission that was to be launched on October 30, 2002. The capsule was scheduled to fly to the International Space Station and land in a desert in Kazakhstan. Several months before Bass was scheduled to fly, the original deal to air the documentary about Bass fell through. Bass's campaign turned to MTV, who initially agreed to sponsor the trip, but then backed out over, quote, payment, insurance, and indemnification issues. Shortly after... All of Bass's other sponsorships fell through, including one sponsor who pulled out because they worried about the image of their brand possibly being tarnished if Bass were to die on the mission. Bass was eventually rejected from the program and was replaced on the flight by Russian cosmonauts Yuri Yankhanov, Sergei Zablabla, and Belgium's Frank Devin. So yeah, he he did he did, he trained like a motherfucker. Like he even like learned Russian and everything just to be wow. denied sucks so yeah russia's a kooky little little country there that's that's a crazy story and they, they,
1: they could still make a documentary about it yeah just about the failed mission to send
0: lance bass into space <laughs> yeah for real anyway back to this story um in 1976 ralph was sent to san francisco and given a polygraph examination by army intelligence so here
1: here's the thing with polygraphs like we've we've mentioned it many times in this podcast and we will continue to mention it polygraphs are bullshit.
0: yeah I mean according I mean to to bring back moon pie face you know uh in the two Mary murders he 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 refused to take the polygraph and you know it made him look guilty but you know what he said was, he was unsure if the anti-anxiety medications he was on at the time could compensate properly for his conditions on the polygraph. And I got advice from my attorney to not do it. And there's all kinds of things that can affect that.
1: Well, in this instance, it's just a simple case that he was, he was working on another uh, clandestine operation that the military didn't know about. So yeah, he actually was kinda essentially lying in that instance. Yeah,
0: but but the FBI and CIA knew about it and, and he yeah. thought that they would clear that with the yeah. army. And why didn't they? Yeah. I don't get yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know either. The result He's
1: been a valuable agent for you. He's done this for a decade. Like We're kinda
0: jumping ahead a little bit here because I didn't even say what happened with the polygraph. So anyway, the the, the results indicated that he was deceptive when asked questions about the information he gave to the Soviets. Some believe that he failed this part of the test because of a secret relationship he had with Rudolf Herman. Since Mm -hmm. he failed the examination in San Francisco, he was given more polygraphs each time he failed. But again, that's because he was working on something else with the FBI. Rudolf Herman,
1: who was... uh the one of the premier agents russian agents in the united states yes the day that's why i don't get it yeah. it's like why would why would the fbi the cia not want to keep him involved with that cuz if there was any sort of success with that relationship like wouldn't you want to keep that going so you can nab the guy right why would you want to turn him in or like let him get killed by the army or by the KGB I don't understand I don't get the thought process by the CIA and the FBI that they wouldn't let the army know the day after maybe it's maybe there's other stuff maybe there's other stuff that the CIA okay. and the FBI are doing that they don't want the army to know about and that's why I, because if they let them know about this then the, the military is going to be like hey like the army is going to be like hey what about is there anything else
0: Okay, can I can I read this sentence now? Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if you're gonna jump in with like a third or fourth thing. No, no. The day after the last failed examination, Ralph was scheduled to undergo an intense er- interrogation. During this, he would be treated as if he were a traitor. Twenty four hours before the scheduled interrogation, Ralph called his wife. Uh, is is what's her name? Called his wife, is Elise, Izzle? Izzy see I let's call her Sarah. Ralph called his <laughs> wife Sarah at her work. According to Sarah, he sounded distraught and told her to hire a lawyer. He then told her that she had to sue the. US Army. He then ended the call by saying, I'm dying. I never lied. It is a little f- comical how he said it in the re-enactment. Yeah. He, I'm dying. I never lied.
1: After the- I thought it, I thought it sounded better than that. Well, maybe it's just me personally. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think even though the acting wasn't amazing, I, I think it would it got the point across. And those are some of the most chilling words I think I've heard in reenactment for me personally.
0: Like, why would those because, be the last things you say to your fucking wife, man? Like, I know that's uh, you know, like you. It's like care to elaborate a little bit on that, you ca- or you or- but that ties into the theory that they later
1: have that the KGB might have tortured him and killed him. Yeah, and that's maybe just, maybe uh, told you know, him to say that. something
0: that was pressured out of him. Yeah. So after the call ended, she went home and contacted Army Intelligence. Several hours later, Ralph was found dead. The pl- I mean, if you like, when the wife finds out about that, that's gotta you know connecting those two together.
1: That's that's gotta be just one of the most chilling moments possible like i mean just hearing that you know i'm dying i never lied and then it's just so mysterious and strange and dark and depressing and it's just like that's the last words that he ever said before he died i mean like every time i see that scene or just think about that the room gets a little colder for me
0: wow mike that's very uh it's very good imagery you use there Let's have a moment of silence. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, for the death of Josh's brain cells. Yeah, apparently, like uh, the police were called. An investigation began into Ralph's death. There appeared to be up uh, to the police, uh, like they—they're uh, like the lowest rung on this chain of uh, fuckery. What the fuck are they going to find? Especially out? if it's a government, if it's, if it's a it's government a US thing, or a military thing. thing. Yeah, they're stand down, bitch. You're you're just you know uh, the the smallest level. Uh, you know,
1: but they have to investigate. I mean, yeah. otherwise, you know, if they didn't, it would it would show.
0: But they're even more suspicious. I bet the fucking report was already pre-typed before the police yeah, even went likely. there. You know, it's like the what is it? The octopus? Yeah, that the. Uh, it's very similar to to that. Seems like yeah, just just the whole. Uh, well, no, it was um, uh, what was the name of that fucking technology that uh that the government had that company develops the tech, that certain technology and then the government was using it and they weren't, they, 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 they started to share the technology with Canadian Uh governments and all that without paying. It was like in in tech or something. Yeah, maybe, but that
1: one guy, he died, I think a similar way. It was like suicide, but like, not really, if you think about it. Oh
0: yeah. Danny Casalero, Danny Casalero. So anyway, uh, there appeared to be no signs of struggle in the room in ralph's room where they found him in the hotel room there also appeared to be no injuries on ralph's body other than those he received from falling out of a chair which is
1: bullshit They made
0: that up (laughs) so he's like sitting in this chair that's stacked on like a larger more love seat like chair Mm -hmm. he was bleeding from the nose when found the locks on the room's door had been double locked from the inside Based on the evidence, uh, the police believe that Ralph stacked one chair on top of the other so he could uh, be next to the light switch. He then took the lamp cord, sliced the wires, and wrapped both wires around his biceps. He then plugged the cord into the socket, sat on the top chair, placed the wire into a cup of water, using the water as a conductor, and turned the light switch on. The police- This is the most complicated and complex-
1: way to kill yourself I've ever seen in anything. Like, where did he learn this? How did he come up with this? Like, it just reeks of, like, a setup, because it's so absurd. Is there any other instance of a suicide that's been recorded in history that is to the letter, or even remotely close to this? I I really am genuinely curious about it. Because, like, I mean, Jesus,
0: I mean, he's like doing a fucking magic trick or some shit and i mean suicide in a way to where it's like how do you know that's even going to be enough to take you out yeah. you know how do you how do you know that you're going to die that way
1: like this seems like it uh-
0: you could just experience <laughs> a really bad electric yeah. shock that paralyzes you or yeah or you're you know you you don't die per se but you're just in extreme pain and y- you know it's, it's, yeah. it's just
1: so if this is how he died then why why was his body so fucked up at the at the funeral and then they they, they
0: the family actually spoke to an electricity expert who stated that the injuries to ralph's arm could not have come from a 110 volt circuit that would be yeah. found in the motel room it's like the
1: military or whoever it is to try to cover this up thinks people are stupid. They're just like, oh, they'll just believe whatever we tell them. As long as we tell it, say it, that the police believe it, they're going to believe it. All these years later, and anyone that watches this segment or anyone hears about this case, they don't believe it. They don't, they do not believe that this man killed himself. Right no,
0: the the family believes that he was killed by the, kidnapped and tortured by the KGB and then murdered by them. And uh, the electricity or electrocution was a popular oh, yeah. means of execution by the K- the KJb at or, that or time. Or torture,
1: yeah, they they loved to electrocute people. It's not something that was just in Rambo First Blood Part Two. Like they they, they that was their was one of their main M O S, and that explains the really terse, like awkward last words to his wife. You know, I, I'm I want you to sue the U S Army. I'm dying. I
0: never lied. So, uh, journalists Joe and Susan Trento have written the book Widows about the case. They are convinced that Ralph was murdered. They learned that during the polygraph examinations, Ralph was told that he would not be prosecuted if he told them the truth. It seemed unlikely, then, that he would commit suicide because of the investigation. Yeah. Uh, a motive may have been an undercover operation that the U.S. Army uh, did not know about uh, as far as the, um, you know, kidnapping by the KJB, the torturing and the uh, murdering. So as far as the suspects go, the police in the U.S. Army believe that Ralph committed suicide. Uh, uh, the, uh, Su- Joe and Susan Trento believe that Ralph was kidnapped and tortured and killed by KJB. Ale- allegedly, normal practice of the KJB would be to kidnap him, put him through their own interrogation, and torture him. It is believed that the agents tried to get secret information from Ralph during his torture. The Trentos also believe that Soviet spy Rudolf Herman was involved in Ralph's death. It is interesting to note that the Soviets have used electrocution for torture in the past, and the result of the case is unsolved. No further clues in Sigler's death have been revealed. Oh yeah, never
1: would would not ever come out whether it was a kgb who killed him or uh his own government
0: sadly his wife sarah sigler passed away in 2009 at the age of 81 so what do you think happened was it the kgb or was it the military
1: man when you're when, CIA the when you're a
0: fucking double agent uh when you're dealing with like this kind of international espionage or, no, or maybe not espionage is, isn't the right word but well kind of is actually okay well there you go um dude who who knows man who the fuck knows like it could have been either country yeah i mean i i, I don't know i i mean i guess i tend to doubt it would be america because he you know was let well, I me mean, look at danny castellero i
1: mean I don't know. <laughs> yeah but
0: but sigler wasn't Castellero was actively looking into uh like government high up government corruption yeah dealing with like gold bullion uh, uh-huh. and, and, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, he, so Castellar was poking the bear, you know, Sigler was working for the bear and, se- and, yeah. and, 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 and the bear was sending him into the shark waters. Well,
1: you know, I, I, I would not, I, I mean, I, I love my country and I respect my country, but I, I don't think they're above that, especially when it comes to, you know, trying to hide or, you know, prevent maybe they they uh were thought he 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 had uh lived up to his usefulness like he had outlived his usefulness at that point and the, and he was he was uh considered to be a uh, casualty like they're they like whatever happens to him happens to him like we're not gonna like i said earlier it, it makes sense that the CIA and the FBI they didn't let the military know because they didn't want the military to then be like hey w- w- what else are you not Yeah, telling but I don't us? think
0: I don't think our government goes around killing all, you know, eight no. double agents and Well
1: there's probably a lot of stuff that we don't
0: know well, about. Yeah, for sure. I mean for sure. But for I, sure. I don't I don't think, you know, after our use after we're we're done with you, it's like okay, now you gotta uh
1: No, they don't do that all the time, but but I, I think there probably are there's probably cases like that that look at like they're suicide. I don't but. I
0: don't think I think with a hundred percent certainty he did not kill himself. Oh, exactly. I. I to that's one thing me. I. That's one yeah. thing I will say. He did. There, there's no way. Especially not that way. No. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. No. You're going. You're, sounds like a Mad Lib suicide. That's really what it said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mad Libs. <laughs> okay. Uh, on Sunday, Josh wanted to electrocute himself in a hotel room while <laughs> sitting on two chairs near a lamp. You know, like. <laughs> With a cup
1: of water in his in hand. One
0: hand, yeah, wearing a foam, you know, d- dual beer holster hat on his head, with with the one of those little straws that go to your mouth or whatever, with like some nacho cheese fries next to him. It's just like too much random shit. Like, yeah, it's that's that's. that's. If I wanted to, if I wanted to kill myself, you know i i want the quickest most painless way possible i'm either gonna oh like dr Death style i'm either gonna like od or like you know do the traditional blowing your brains out or like i don't know pretty morbid to think about this i guess sl- yeah. slip my wrists in the bathtub or something i would never damn i would never uh you know, I wouldn't hang myself. I wouldn't drown myself. I wouldn't try to electrocute myself. I wouldn't jump in front of a car. I wouldn't jump off a building. Like, those all sound like horribly painful ways to go, and there's no guarantee that, that it'll work, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. drowning would pretty much work, but... I don't know. Sometimes you can get Brock back from that shit. Oh, well, sometimes you, bi- you don't shoot yourself in the head good enough, and you end up living. Oh, yep. God. That reminds me of some traumatizing shit I saw. This teenage yeah. girl. One time, I was watching this show on YouTube. It was, but it was like it was like a cable show, but someone uploaded it on YouTube. And this mm-hmm. chick, her her boyfriend, her and her boyfriend gotten into a, like this really bad argument, and you know, like I guess he was like gonna break up with her, and she got really upset. And in a in a like a just a rash, kind of not thinking kind of decision, she went and grabbed her brother's. Uh, like shotgun or something oh. and she blew most of her face off Ooh. and did not die and Damn. they went through like hours or years actually of reconstructive surgery Ooh. and they showed her now
1: Ooh. and
0: oh she's freakish and Ooh. she's like and she talks like this to car. Even though her mouth, like, you can see her mouth. It's like that
1: that one gal who was uh, attacked randomly by that, like, guy in a black truck who just shot her in the face of the shotgun. But
0: see, on Unsolved Mysteries, they had the decency to not show you what she looked like. This show showed you what she looked like. I mean, she didn't look, she looked, she looked presentable enough to where it wouldn't, Mm -hmm. I don't know, it was still kind of traumatizing, but, like. Yeah, like she didn't die from that. That's the kind of thing that you could show,
1: you know, to people you know, who, you know yeah, considering suicide, you know, like what what happens if?
0: And she even said you know, she she was like, I, "I'm so glad I lived. Like I so did not yeah. want to die. I don't know what I don't I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why. I Cause sometimes it happens like that. It's just." rash and it, it, it's just
1: extreme emotion and then it's over yeah
0: and they showed what she looked like before she like blew her face off and she mm-hmm. was really pretty like mm-hmm. this like high school a you know mm-hmm. like had it probably had you know a lot going for her, really pretty whatever and now she's she's uh she's she's uh you know what she is a walking example of uh suicide being a uh permanent solution to a temporary problem as they say yep. i always like that phrase mm-hmm. the most you know suicide is a permanent solution to a uh temporary yeah a lot problem. of
1: it and it's you know this works because we talked about suicide actually in the start of this podcast didn't we i feel like at this point uh, i should
0: like read off the suicide hotline number <laughs> just
1: Go right ahead. Uh,
0: the the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, if you're having trouble with that and you'd like to chat with somebody, is 1-800-273-8255. Um, or uh, maybe, like, don't listen to our this episode of our podcast if you're feeling bad about that or something. I don't know. I'm not good with, like... It's already too late Yeah, if you're yeah, pretty much, but... <laughs> At this point. Yeah, once again, 1-800-273-8255, National Suicide Prevention Hotline, but...
1: It's not the first time we've talked about
0: no. suicide,
1: though. I mean, there's been a lot of cases we've talked about that... And it was, it was kind of uh In this instance, it was a trope that actually was real. You know, because there's other cases we've talked about where the parents are like, it was, you know, he didn't kill himself... It was murder, and then, you know, it really was suicide.
0: But Holy shit, you know. did you know NSync only released three albums? <laughs> I still just I still had it on the Lance Bass, like just uh, Wikipedia. I
1: mean, the, the, the peaks and valleys of this podcast right now.
0: Damn, they got they got that big else. off of three fucking albums. Just
1: suicide and sync only had three albums
0: <laughs> uh. well, all right so we have their out al- their self-titled album in 97 <laughs> and that had the single on it oh. you're tearing up my heart when i'm with you and when we are apart i feel it too and then it also had you're all i ever wanted you're all I ever needed Yeah <laughs> and then, So then, then they did No Strings Attached in 90 or I 2000 will give,
1: I will give the, that video is kind of cool Like it does have a, some nice Cool looking effects And on that and, one
0: they had Bye 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 Which was huge uh, yeah. Then It's Gonna Be mm-hmm. May Then yeah. they had uh, This I Promise You Though it with it You are true this I promise you. It
1: sounded like Hartman I know, there. I know.
0: <laughs> then they had Celebrity in 2001, which had Pop, Girlfriend, which I I don't remember that song, and Gone. Dude, you know what's so funny on their first album? This is so
1: surreal. I know. Hearing you talk about NSYNC and do uh, try to sync sing, sing NSYNC songs.
0: How many albums did the Backstreet Boys have? Backstreet. <laughs> boy we're pretty much done with the podcast at this point you realize this is just this is be this is just josh sticking around this is me uh, trying to trying to add some levity of from all that suicide (laughs) talk oh wow okay so backstreet boys have like a lot more output yeah but how much of it was actually fucking relevant well let's see we have backstreet boys which was 1996 which had we got it going on. We got it going on right here. Which was essentially the new jack swing kind of ripoff. You know these songs more better than. I'm a DJ, dude. I have to I play this would, I have I, to play I, this bullshit oh, yeah. for millennials. <laughs> oh, they had I you quit were playing like... games with my heart on their first album, I'll never break your heart on the first album. Then you had 1997, Backstreets Back, which I had obviously yeah. had that song. It had As Long As You Love Me, All I Have to Give. Then they did Millennium in nine, 1999, which had mm-hmm. Larger Than Life, I Want It That Way, Oh My Gosh, Show Me The Meaning I'm Being Lonely, The One. Yeah, with I Want It That Way, I just think of the Weird Al parody. eBay. Then they yeah. had Black and Blue, which had The Call, Shape of My Heart, More Than That. And then Never Gone in 2005, this is when everyone just, just way stopped giving a fuck. Yeah. And I don't know any of these songs. Then in 2007, they had... That's pretty ironic that their album is called Never Gone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Never Gone, in parentheses, and nobody cares. (laughs) Then they had Unbreakable in 2007. Uh, Don't recognize any of these songs. Then they had This Is Us in 2009. Straight Through My Heart. They
1: had a reunion, I think. They were featured in... uh
0: in a world like this, DNA.
1: In the in the movie, this is the end.
0: Which is a fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I, yeah, yeah. I that. did. That, I actually did see yeah. it. Holy shit! I actually saw <laughs> something that you talked about. Yeah,
1: they sing uh, "Backstreets Back in Heaven" at the end of the uh, end of the film. I like that one. That's a fun one. My god! I, I, I crack up at the the scene with uh, Jonah Hill who's possessed. And they're doing the whole exorcist thing. They're like, the power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you.
0: Really? It's not very compelling. <laughs> Dude. Check this shit out. This this is gonna be interesting to some people out here. Okay, so stay with me, everybody. This is, I promise this will be interesting if if nothing if if to no, no one else but me. Okay, so their first album, Backstreet Boys' first album, no, or uh, it was certified gold. Wait, no, it didn't. It did no certification in the U.S. Okay, then they come out with Backstreet's Back, and where's come on? I know they, they had to have gone platinum off of that in the United States. <laughs> it went, I went platinum. All it went diamond in Canada, but you only have to sell a million copies for something and go diamond in canada that would be like selling a million copies in texas okay then millennium comes out finally dude they didn't chart they didn't go that none the backstreet's back that album did not go platinum but then millennium came out and they went platinum uh 13 times platinum in the united states then they do black and blue Eight times platinum in the United States. They do never gone. One time platinum in the United States. Unbreakable. No platinum. This is us. Didn't chart. In a world, uh, whatever the fuck, in a world like this, nothing. DNA, nothing. Man, they fell the fuck off. Yeah, so I just lost every listener that we had that could have possibly given a rat's <laughs> ass about this podcast by doing all that bullshit. I'm sorry. I just get fascinated with these kind of statistics.
1: I uh, hope you enjoyed Josh's deep dive yeah, into, into <laughs> the Backstreet the Boys, the rise and fall uh, of, discography, the rise and fall <laughs> of the
0: Backstreet Boys. Yeah,
1: like I said earlier, the peaks and valleys with this podcast is something else.
0: Truly. Alright, well that's a podcast this week, it's fair to say um, Short, sweet, and awkward But you know, that's, that's how
1: how a lot of you like it yeah.
0: so. <laughs> That's how a lot of people would de- describe my penis Short, sweet, and awkward <laughs> All right, guys, if you want to uh, get more up close and personal with me and Mike, join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook and uh, type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in the group section. You know how to search for groups and join groups at this point. Just type Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We'll pop up, answer some questions, and you'll be in our group. There's cool shit. It's a vibrant community of cool, nice people. It's not some elitist douche factory like some other groups. Not naming any names, because I honestly have no names to name, but I'm sure there's some douchey groups out there. Uh, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, consider doing that by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Um, you get the podcast early, and you can also uh, throw out suggestions for cases that we'll cover in the future, and your suggestions go to the top of the pile. Um, and then also, if you like me and Mike, but maybe you you like Mike a little better, and you only want Mike, or you only want me, Well, consider going to our individual YouTube channels and checking out our individual content on there. You can find Mike at youtube.com slash O-C-P communications. He is a movie motherfucker. He talks about some movies and some, you know, try candy and uh, sometimes once every two years he'll play a video game on there. Uh, What was the last (laughs) thing you talked about, Mike?
1: So the last thing I talked about was uh, another vlog where I talked about a few things and... uh, also, uh, unbox some stuff. Um, I, I want to do more content. I want to put more reviews up. I want one of the reviews I'm going to be planning on doing is of the creep show films, but it's just one of those things where just, I haven't had the time. It's just been, and when I have had the time, I've just been, you know, tired of, and you know, a mental this week, especially just mentally exhausting in so many different ways because of, uh, all the stuff for school. And, yeah when you, uh, when you work, work hasn't been that bad but you know when you work and go it's, to it's, school
0: it, it's yeah. hard to uh keep up that you know creativity
1: well yeah because it's like you get home from work or you get home from school and you're just like fuck i just want to sit yeah. down and just relax i don't really want to do anything mm-hmm. other than that
0: all right well uh go there if you want to check out mike's content um Wanna check out my content? It's uh youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. You've been busy, you found some
1: time to do some stuff. You did your rush video. I did a rush
0: live stream that was uh it started out bad, but then it got pretty good once I finally got into the meat and potatoes, which is apparently my catchphrase um of of the video. I rated um I, I this article, ultimate did an article where they rated all 167 of Rush's songs. And I went in and, and critiqued and reviewed their list and said if I agreed or disagreed with their position. So it
1: reminds me of, kind of some of the kind of videos I've done with a friend of mine where we look through a list of horror films or, yeah. you know, by critics, and then we're like, yeah. And then we're like, really? And then we're like, why isn't this on here? It's, it's you know? so much a, Or it's like the worst ones. The worst ones are so much more frustrating Yeah, than, like, the best. Because the best, you can be like, oh, okay. And I don't agree with that, but okay. But when you, you see, like, a worst of one and, like, somebody of, like so many films that you really like are on there. You're like, what the fuck? Like what's wrong? With yeah.
0: It, the bias of the person <laughs> who writes the article is so in imbued in, in the article because yeah. it's like, you can see what kind of fan they are by what they pick as the, well, I can see that too with some of these horror lists. They're this pretentious,
1: you know, crap, like hereditary or the witch. But then, you know, They'll have The Exorcist or Psycho. Of course, they'll have those classics on there, but they'll have some of these other modern films re- or foreign films that barely nobody saw. And they're going to be like, oh, it's the best. One of the best ever. It's like, uh, really? That's such, a, that's
0: such a hipster move. Like, oh, you you wouldn't have seen it because it only came out in Israel in two movie theaters. <laughs> you know, but of course, you probably just like... The one I... The, the stuff I... Yeah, the stuff I hate the most is when they come out with that kind
1: of thing. We're like, well, you, you know... You, you didn't like it because you just like jump-scare movies and, you know, crap like that, you know. Hereditary is for, like, thinking, you know, horror fans, you know, people, horror fans who like to think. Like, uh, no, I didn't like it because it had shitty characters, it was slow, too slow-paced, it wasn't scary, and, I you know, I just didn't, I didn't like the film. It had nothing to do with this, this. I didn't get... It's not... I'm so tired of people like, well, you didn't get it. It's one of the most fucking... Lame ass callback, you know uh, callbacks that you can come up with. Yeah, and most of the time they don't get it either. They just they're
0: they're they're told like, that they're supposed to get it. You know, if they want to be this this very, you know, highfalutin art mm-hmm. appreciator, it's like you you're not allowed to dislike certain movies if you're if you call yourself a a movie critic. Like there's yeah. certain older movies that that's Citizen Kane. That's the same way with being a, a music fan too. It's like, there's certain like bands you're not allowed to dislike like the Beatles, you know? Like yeah. folks,
1: I, I think Citizen Kane is one of the most overrated films of all time. Like I, I, I think it's a decent film for its time. I respect all of the filmmaking techniques that it helped pioneer, but it didn't pioneer as many as your film studies professors would like you to believe because there are other techniques that have been used in other films, like um, Birth of a Nation, years before, but we don't want to talk about Birth of a Nation because it's a racist propaganda film. But when you look at the context of film history, it should still be talked about because it still has milestones in terms of cinematography in terms of the way films were shot. Can't take it away, and it's really not helping matters trying to erase it. feel the same way about disney and song of the south yeah
0: i was gonna i was actually gonna mention that song of the south yeah this one guy tried telling me one time that porn has come up with uh more uh innovations in filmography than uh any that than most movies or any movie has
1: yeah no (laughs) like
0: because how long porn's been around and all the different camera angles that they've you know this that and the other and i'm just like dude i think that you're trying to I think I think that I think that was you getting caught by your wife masturbating and you're like, oh, honey, I was appreciating the art to a very high degree that it made me hard because that's just how much I love art. OK, it was very intellectually stimulating. <laughs> like, haven't you always wondered why I get boners whenever I look at paintings in a museum? I mean, I just really like art. It makes me hard with excitement. But uh yeah, check out my YouTube channel, <laughs> youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts, and check out my band of the same title. And uh some of you out there are apparently getting pissed off with me shoving my band down your throat, because uh we've gotten some pretty brutal reviews lately. Uh some some Dang. bashing poor Stephanie and uh fucking sexism is alive and well, man. Like the shit Damn. the shit they're saying about her is like if she was not a female, they would not be saying that shit. So it's it's unfortunate that uh we have some listeners out there that are fucking pigs like that. But hey, you know, the world is not perfect, but uh, people don't like change. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is, though, with the music, it's like, you know, guys, like this is like the the thing I really want to do with my life and what I've been doing with my life. And like, I'm, I, I mean, this is like the largest platform I have to tell people about it. So why wouldn't I take advantage of that? and you know how any advertisement works you have to show somebody something 40 times before they even engage with it i mean it's there's some statistic out there like that
1: normally he puts the album you know or at least
0: a preview of it like or or the song i mean for you you you've gotten at the end you've gotten a free song like like (laughs) like a free song at the end of every podcast you know it's like i'm just all i care about is that you just give it a fucking listen and give it a chance
1: yeah and you don't necessarily have to listen to it or have to be like you just be like all right you know he gets he's talking about the
0: band all right yeah fast forward they make a fast forward button you know we don't even have that many ads on this podcast you know like it's been forever since we've even had an ad on here himalaya is the only thing that we have and jesus it's been so long since they've given me an ad i'm like (laughs) really questioning my relationship with them at this point but uh yeah anyway after all that bitching and moanings uh out of my system i'll uh, let you guys go it's now 1 a.m over here and uh we have a concert tomorrow so if you're in the jacksonville florida area it's too fucking late because it's uh would have already been over by the time you hear this um except for the patreons maybe anyway uh until next time (laughs) have a good rest of your night bye see ya